All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. I bet you didn't realize that when you took that first job and you received that first paycheck or you walked in for that initial interview and then came out all excited that you had a job, you were actually signing up to be a slave, specifically a wage slave. At least that's what we're being told. We're going to discuss this on today's Making the Argument, where we make the arguments to help us all defend a free society. All right, now, I think all of us can recognize that slavery is one of the absolute worst uh, atrocities within human history. The idea that another person would own a human being and essentially deprive them of any sort of, like any sort of genuine liberty, any sort of property, essentially everything that that other person did belonged to you. And that is what we generally understand by the traditional definition of slavery. And more specifically, slavery is defined as the state of being owned by another person. So again, just like I said before, slavery as we traditionally understand it is one person owns another person and all the fruits of their labor, everything they do is now the property of the owner of that slave, right? That's what we understand by the traditional definition of slavery. But there's another definition that is commonly being used by a lot of people on the left, and that's referred to as a wage slave or wage slavery. So what exactly does that mean? Well, wage slavery is de defined as a person dependent on wages or a salary for a livelihood. Now, I think most of us from the conservative perspective, we right off the bat recognize that there's a huge difference here between slavery as traditionally defined versus a wage slave. And in fact, that definition doesn't really make sense to us because if you think about it, it means just about almost everybody, right? Not everybody, but almost everybody would fall within the definition of a wage slave at some point in their life. In fact, most people within the United States would still be considered wage slaves because, again, most of us have a job that we do that we're dependent upon that paycheck in order to feed, clothe ourselves, our families, put a roof over our head, etc. So the question is, is why would somebody try to create a definition where essentially the natural state of things, i.e. going to work, doing a job, receiving a paycheck in order to take care of yourself or your family, is now akin to slavery. Like why, that seems like a very, very extreme way to define what most people just associate with having a job, right? But that is how they're defining it right now. And they're, they're using this definition in order to get you to associate the work that you do or the job that you have with slavery. Now, why would you do that? Well, presumably, and in most people you talk to that actually use wage slavery as a definition and take it very seriously, are doing that because 
they're trying to get you to, they're trying to convince you essentially that you are a victim of your circumstances, that if you have to get up in the morning, go to a job in order to get a paycheck, in order to take care of yourself, that there's something inherently wrong with that. And this is the first thing that we need to look at whenever we're someone is, is throwing this term wage slavery in our face is step one, distinguish the difference between slavery is traditionally defined and wage slavery. And the primary difference that I can see as I look at this is under slavery, it's one person owning another person. But in wage slavery, we're simply saying that if you have to work in order to provide for yourself, that there's something inherently wrong with that, as if you are entitled to food, shelter, clothing, etc. And the biggest question that we have to ask here, right, at a fundamental level, because for most conservatives, we look at this, it just seems absurd. But if someone's really serious about this, the first question that we have to ask is, okay, what's the alternative, right? You're, you're now suggesting to me that if I have to work for a living, that somehow that's akin to slavery. Well, what's the alternative? Is the alternative not working for a living? And, and in that case, the, the real question is, okay, well then, how am I supposed to provide for myself? Because if you're, if you're suggesting that people should have access to you know, food, clothing, shelter, healthcare, education, whatever it is, if they should just have access to it without having to contribute anything in order to receive those benefits, well, can, can you show me somewhere else in nature where this, this is the reality? And, and you see this a lot sometimes where the same people that are talking about wage slavery will then say, well, with so much wealth in the world, why do some people live in poverty? And the, the question I like to pose back is, well, wait a second, poverty is the natural state of mankind, right? Where poverty is, is what's natural. The production of wealth and certainly the abundance of wealth that we see in a lot of places, especially here in the United States, that's the anomaly. So the question should not be about, well, why is, this, why is this person so wealthy and how can we take it from them in order to give it to somebody that is somebody else? The question we should be asking ourselves is, how do people acquire wealth? And then how do we replicate that sort of behavior so that everybody can have access to food, shelter, clothing, medicine, uh, education, et cetera? All right, but if, but if you're going to say that the natural state, right, which is poverty, it's the idea that um, when you are born, you are not necessarily entitled to something else. If you're going to say that that is somehow inherently wrong, evil, or immoral, and therefore requires some sort of action on behalf of other people, well, I'm, I'm, going, to I'm going to have to ask you to explain that further, right? And that, that's the first question you should ask is like, what is wrong with the notion of providing value to someone else in order to get value in return? What is problematic about that? Because I, I certainly understand the problem with someone saying that it was inappropriate during feudalism. Uh, for someone to be a serf and to essentially be owned by their feudal lord and have to till the land and provide crops and pay taxes and all these other things without having any real freedom or control over their own destiny. Like, I, I understand the problem with that. That was a legal structure that was uh, akin to slavery. But you're now saying that just the, the mere fact that I would have to provide value some, to someone else in order to get value in return, if that's also slavery, well, that doesn't seem to match the same definition. And so I'm going to start to believe that you're using the term slavery not because it's an honest representation of what's taking place within that free market exchange, but because you're trying to essentially manipulate me into thinking I'm a victim when in reality, I'm simply a voluntary partner to an exchange. Now, they will sometimes fire back and say, well, no, if you have to work to provide all these things for yourself, then this idea that you can simply walk away from your job is ridiculous because if you walk away from your job, you lose the paycheck and therefore you lose the ability to provide yourself. And so therefore you're enslaved to the job. To which 
our response should be, well, wait, no, you're, you're not enslaved to a particular job. You, you can potentially move jobs. You can move somewhere else. You can find an opportunity somewhere else. Provided that, that that person is not using force or some sort of legal structure to require you to work there, you still have freedom. Now, does that mean that you have the same freedom as someone that was born into a wealthy family? No, they're probably going to have more options. But in and of itself, that is not necessarily the result of some sort of cosmic injustice. Right? Again, it goes back to the idea of the natural state of mankind is poverty. And so the idea to use our, our talents and our abilities and our strength and the resources available to us in order to create wealth or prosperity is just, again, a part of reality. So to suggest that having to provide value in order to get value is somehow akin to slavery is, is a little bit ridiculous on, on a fundamental level, right? It's, it's almost as if you're dreaming of a world that does not exist. So that's, that's the first point that we bring up. But let's go to the second point. Let's say you bring all that up and you try to explain to someone how, you know, slavery is traditionally understand versus wage slavery doesn't make any sense. It's not a fair comparison. And in fact, it's, it's a way to manipulate language in order to try to convince people that they're a victim when they're probably not. Not to say that they aren't, but maybe they probably aren't if you're just saying that working for a living is essentially the same as being a slave. All right. So if they're still committed to that idea, let's say that you, you've provided a, a very logical defense for why that's not a fair comparison and they are sticking with it. Here's the next question that you have to ask them. What's your solution? Right? If, if you really believe that the idea that anyone in the marketplace has to provide value in order to receive value, right? if you think that's inherently wrong and that people should just naturally be able to expect food, clothing, housing, medicine, education, um, you know, whatever else it is, without having to contribute anything, how would you, how would you achieve that? Right? How would you possibly achieve that? And here's what's interesting. Because when typically every person that I've, I've talked with or every person that I've read that has talked about wage slavery has essentially come back and their solution to the problem is government confiscation and redistribution or an advanced version of that is government control over the economy. And the, here's the question I've got to ask. If your solution to the fact that some people have things and other people don't have things is to not analyze the different decisions that individuals made, right? You're, you're not going to give any sort of attention to why one person has less and one person has more. You're simply going to say that if this person has more and this person has less, then we have some sort of you know, societal duty or governmental duty to take from the one that has more and give to the person that has less. And the way you're going to accomplish that is by using government force and coercion. Well, what sort of system have you put in place? You now have a system where one person is forced to work and produce, and then you're going to confiscate the fruits of their labor to give to somebody else that is not required to work or produce? Hmm. What does that sound like? Well, to me, it sounds a lot like the traditional definition of slavery. You now have a powerful government entity that is allowed to use force and coercion through a legal framework in order to take the fruits of somebody's labor and give it to somebody else based off of, of no more criteria than one person has more and one person has less. I mean, you're not even digging into the details of, did this person work 60, 70, 80 hours a week while this person sat at home in their mother's basement and played Xbox? Like, you're not even taking that into consideration. It's just, nope, this person needs more, so they get more. That's problematic because now your solution to wage slavery is to engage in the sort of activities which could be compared to traditional slavery. 
Like your solution to wage slavery is essentially tax slavery. And, and that's a very important distinction to bring up. Make them defend what their potential solution is for wage slavery. Now, some people will come back and they'll say, well, no, that's not what we're suggesting at all. We're just suggesting that um, the, the laborers or the workers should have ownership in the company. Okay, here's your next question. Is there anything legally preventing a worker from being able to start a business or from being able to negotiate in such a way that would give them partial ownership of the company or partial ownership through profit sharing? Is there anything that prevents them from negotiating that? No, there's, there's no legal prohibition about that. However, if somebody has set up their business in a certain way and they are paying you to do a particular job and you say, I'm only going to do that job if I can be a part owner and they say no, well then have, have you been served an injustice? No, because it was their property. It was actually their job. They, were, they had a job to be done. They were offering it to you for a particular price. And if you choose not to do it for that price, you can go look elsewhere. Now, again, they'll, they'll come back with that argument. Well, what if that person has to have the job? Then maybe they should be grateful that somebody has a job for them. I certainly was. I've been in a position where I've lost my job and I desperately needed another one. And I didn't feel like anybody had done me an injustice. I just needed another job. Now, within that job hunt, I had times where you know, I was willing to take a job that would probably pay less than I was used to because ultimately I, I wanted to be able to provide for my family. But to demonize the person offering the job, even if it's not ideal for you, even if it's not your dream job, to demonize that person when they're offering a job is ridiculous. But again, we're being treated to this idea that now this is a form of wage slavery. Okay, so let, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's take this from the, the two major points that we we're making. When someone gets in a discussion and they start throwing around the term wage slavery, first thing that you do, right? Okay, the, the bad conservative response to this is to just negate it completely. That's not because it's not an absurd argument. I think it is. But if you really want someone to understand a different perspective and maybe waking them up to a little bit of reality here, the first thing that you should do is ask the question, can you define real slave? Can you define the traditional definition of slavery? Can you give us that definition first and then tell me how it's similar to wage slavery, right? So traditional definition, one person owns another person. Wage slavery definition, basically if you do a job for a wage or a salary and you're dependent upon that for livelihood, they're a slave. You ask them to, to actually show you the correlation between those two things. Now when they respond with the idea that, well, you're still a wage slave because if you don't do the job, you can't provide for your family, so you're still a slave. That's where you remind them, no, you're not a slave to the person that hired you. You're not a slave to the job. It's just that all of us are, in a sense, bound by certain realities, certain physical realities, which say that if we contribute nothing, we tend to receive nothing. Right? If they're still not convinced by that, if you, they still think that there's a better way to organize society in order to make it more uh, equitable, then you ask them, Again, what is your solution? So if, if we all agree that traditional slavery is bad, and now you're saying that this wage slavery is either just as bad or almost as bad as traditional slavery, what is your solution to that problem? And inevitably, what I have seen every single time that I've been in these conversations is their solution to the problem of wage slavery is to use the government to confiscate and redistribute somebody else's wealth. And almost never do they question how someone gained their wealth in the first place or how someone perhaps didn't gain wealth, right? They, they never ask the question because I think all of us understand that there are certain people that might be born into great wealth. There are other people that might work really hard and never attain wealth. But this goes into a larger conversation of how do you attain wealth? You have to provide value to somebody else. And more specifically, within a free market economy, you have to provide more wealth to others than you're actually receiving. 
This is actually one of the one of the things that never gets mentioned when people are talking about Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or whoever else it is or, or you know Michael Jordan. Every single one of those people that has attained massive wealth, the way that they were able to do it for the most part was they had to provide more wealth to people in the economy than the actually wealth that they consumed. So even though we talk about Jeff Bezos being like a trillionaire, okay, well in order for him to be you know worth that much and have that, have that much control over certain assets, he actually had to create 10 times that amount of value within the marketplace in order to receive that amount of wealth, right? None, none of us shop Amazon because we desperately wanted Jeff Bezos to be a trillionaire. We shopped Amazon because it brought value to us, right? And because millions of people, tens of millions of people shop on Amazon, then the value that he's provided within society is so significant that the actually wealth he attains is a very, very small fraction of the wealth he's created within society. And that's a very important distinction to make, right? The value that he has contributed to people is significantly greater than the value that he has actually received in return, even though it's, it's significant. So that's the important part when somebody, when somebody says, we're going to solve wage slavery through government confiscation and redistribution. The question that you have to ask is, well, okay, wait a second, aren't you now offering a solution which is a lot closer to the traditional definition of slavery, which we've all agreed is bad? Because remember, the traditional definition is when you, by force and through some sort of legal structure, can own another person. Well, now what you're saying is that the way that you're going to solve wage disparities or prevent wage slavery is you're going to take someone that has presumably worked for what they have, you are going to confiscate it through the threat of force and coercion, and then you're going to redistribute it to somebody that a politician has decided should have it. You're now creating a legal framework where somebody is no longer entitled to the fruits of their labor because you're confiscating it, not to pay for some sort of legitimate function of government to provide like a military or a police force or, or courts. No, now you're just saying that politicians will now be in a position to forcefully confiscate somebody's property and give it to somebody else based off of the definitions that they decide upon. That is far more in line with the traditional definition of slavery than so-called wage slavery. And that is, again, if, if you can't get someone to recognize that to, call, to, to use wages or working for a living is akin to slavery, you can't get them to understand that that's absurd, immediately ask them how they plan to solve the problem, and inevitably, they will come up with some sort of legal structure, some sort of structure based off of coercive force, that is far closer to the legal definition, the traditional definition of slavery, than the definition they provide within wage slavery. And that is quite frankly where you got them. Now, go out, try this. If you see this being, if you see it on Twitter, you see it on Facebook, you're talking with your, you know, your student as they come home from college and they're mentioning this term, those are the two things that I want you to give a shot at, right? Now again, bad conservative argument is just to dismiss it as ridiculous. Right, the good conservative argument is to actually engage on those two fronts. One, making them define their terms with respect to wage slavery and traditional slavery, and then going into the, the natural order of, of mankind, which is to say that you typically don't get something unless you provide something. Right, and then going into, even if they don't accept that, then you go into the whole realm of, okay, explain to me your alternative, and I'm telling you, inevitably they will come up with some sort of alternative, which is based on coercion, um, and some sort of legal framework in order to make that coercion legal. And that will look a whole lot more like slavery than the very thing that they're trying to solve. 
All right, so give that a try and then let us know how it goes, right? Give us a comment on Facebook, comment on YouTube. Also, you can listen to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. But uh, go on there, listen, share, let us know what you think, give us your feedback. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Making the Argument, and we will see you in the future. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.